it's important to know that if you're getting credit anywhere other than from a mortgage lender, the credit score you see is not using the same credit model that most lenders use. From Spa Damer and Tenney, it's White Coat Wellness, a show for doctors who are ready to improve their financial wellness. We know you work hard to help your patients, but you can't be at your best if you don't have your own finances in order. In White Coat Wellness, we highlight real-life stories from physicians and dentists to educate, encourage, and inspire you to personal, professional, and financial wellness. Now, from Spa Damer and Tenney, please welcome your host, Shane Tenney. One of the biggest financial decisions, uh, most exciting and most stressful that physicians and dentists make involves buying or building or renovating a house. And for any of you who've gone through this process, you know, there are a lot of decisions, a lot of documents, a lot of details to navigate, and it can quickly be overwhelming. Uh, On top of that, different lenders have different requirements or options, and the decision that you make is going to be one that's going to take up a big spot in your budget for years. Now, you may know that one of the leading institutions for doctors and dentists lending for years has been SunTrust Mortgage. And today, we're lucky to have as our guest, Jason Watkins. Jason has been a mortgage loan officer for a couple decades and has lots of experience and I know has helped a number of clients through our financial planning group. And we thought it'd be super helpful to you to just bring him right in here to the studio and ask him some of the questions that may be floating through your mind if you're thinking about making changes to your house or your mortgage or that sort of thing. And so, Jason, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, let me ask the big question right out of the gate, which is what the heck is a doctor loan and how is that different from just a regular American loan? Yeah. So the doctor loan, uh, what's great about it is that it offers uh, flexible financing. So as little as no money for a down payment. So for folks coming out of training who maybe haven't had a chance to save for a down payment yet, you can buy a house with no money down. Or even if you have the funds, but would rather invest or pay down some student debt, you can still purchase a home with no money down. Regardless of the down payment, there's no mortgage insurance, which is a huge savings on your monthly payment. And we allow you to qualify using future income. So if you're completing training and you've got a new position starting within 60 days of that date, you can qualify using your new income to qualify. Oh, wow. That's, and so that's different from, say, someone who's just a, an, an engineer or a lawyer or some other occupation yep. coming to you to loan, you might not have the same flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. So just you know, to kind of compare, so a physician wanting to buy a home for $500,000 versus me wanting to buy a home for $500,000, I'm going to need a minimum 5% down payment. If I do that, I'll pay mortgage insurance. I've got to use current income to qualify and I've got to count my student loan debt. Whereas a physician, as little as no money down, no mortgage insurance, use future income and flexibility qualifying with their student loan payments. So in a lot of cases, it sounds like it's kind of a no brainer if you've got a DDS or an MD or a DO to look for a lending institution that offers some sort of doctor loan program. Yeah. And what I tell folks is for a physician or a dentist who qualifies for the program, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, whether it's your first home, second home, third time buying a house, if you can qualify for the physician loan, the interest rates, the flexibility and underwriting, it's going to be the best product for you. Mm -hmm. Whether you think you need it or not. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. L- let me pick up on something you've brought up that I know there's a lot of confusion about, and that is mortgage insurance. Because you said with a doctor loan, there's not any mortgage insurance. What thing is mortgage insurance? Can you explain that to the folks listening? So mortgage insurance is basically it's insurance. If you're going to put down uh, typically less than 20% when you buy a house, you're subject to paying something called mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance basically protects the lender in the event you decide to stop making your mortgage payments. It can be pretty costly on a $400,000 house with 10% down. You'd probably have mortgage insurance in the neighborhood of $200 to $250 a month. Whereas on a physician loan, it just truly doesn't exist. It's not built into the rate. It's not hidden anywhere. It just truly is not required. Again, a real advantage to the the point you're making. Um, And to be clear, obviously, you're with SunTrust, who's been one of the real leaders in the doctor loan space. Um, You're not the only provider. There are different banks and mortgage firms that at least intermittently will offer loan products that are competitive in that space. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. Let me ask you another question that uh, we sometimes hear from clients and folks that are that are looking at mortgages or thinking about it and that is help help us understand why do mortgage rates fluctuate from day to day or hour to hour minute to minute or, or even bank to bank I had uh, somebody ask a couple months ago he says you know they said well call me tomorrow rates will change is that really just a scam to make me call them tomorrow can you talk educate us a little bit how do rates work in the mortgage world yeah, so rates are very complicated, um, but to give you sort of the, the the easiest answer and the best answer is banks are competitors against one another. And I always look at it, it's sort of like buying a stock. So what's the stock price today? That can certainly change tomorrow, depending on what's going on in the market. For the most part, any lender that offers a similar product, our rates are pretty comparable to one another. There's going to be days where one lender's maybe priced a little ahead of another, and on any other day, that lender might be slightly behind the other. But for the most part, rates are going to vary every day, just like you're buying a stock, and the bank's trying to offer you that stock at the best price they can. Mm-hmm. And when you hear on the news about the the government or the Federal Reserve lowering rates, then everybody thinks, oh, great, rates are dropping. That doesn't apply to mortgage rates, though, does it? Yeah, I get that question uh, quite a bit. So every time there's a, a cut to the rate, right? I get emails that say, hey, Jason, I heard rates were cut by a quarter percent today. So when they make that cut, that affects prime rate. So your home equity line, your credit cards, it can indirectly impact mortgage rates positively, but it doesn't always have that effect. It depends on so many variables that are going on that the short answer is no, that does not mean mortgage rates dropped but it could be a good indicator that pricing might improve in the next few days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The fed and I'll just um, add the financial planner perspective on this a little bit. So the, the fed lowering rates, they're lowering, uh, you said the prime rate or that sort of, they're lowering short term interest rates, like credit card rates and things, just like you mentioned. Whereas obviously we all know mortgage rates are long-term rates, 30 year loans, 15 year loans, 20 year loans, things like that. So um, there's, there's not a direct correlation. So if you happen to be listening to this podcast on a day that the fed just lowered rates, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out and refi right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another question that that I'm sure you get a lot, uh, we, we hear from time to time is what's, what's a jumbo loan. How's that different from non jumbo loan or conventional loan or things like that? Yeah. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which a lot of people have heard of them, a lot of people haven't. Uh, those are loans that banks sell mortgages to. Every year, Fannie and Freddie can set what they consider conforming loan limits, which means loans they'll purchase from a lender. Currently, at the time of this broadcast, the conforming loan limit is $484,350. 
So a jumbo loan, real simply, is any loan amount that exceeds that. The doctor loan is a little isolated from that because the doctor loan is a it's it's a unique product. It's a bank product, so we aren't really necessarily following what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac would want us to do. We get to design the program, design how you qualify for it, have a little more control over the pricing of the program. So for us, a jumbo loan is still 484, 351 or higher. But for the physician loan, we're going to give you a doctor loan regardless of what the loan amount is. And when you say the doctor loan is a bank loan, does that mean that, that in, at least in your case, that SunTrust continues to own that loan and keep it and service it yeah, as opposed absolutely. to reselling it to a third party like Fannie or Freddie? So any loan can be sold on the secondary market. The frequency of that happening is pretty low. But when you get a mortgage with SunTrust, with Jason, you're going to continue to make your payments to SunTrust. And if you have questions about your mortgage down the road, you still call Jason or SunTrust. Gotcha. Okay. Very helpful. Now, let me piggyback on something you said uh, at, the, at the outset in just kind of describing the loan, which is oftentimes, or I, I guess at least with, with SunTrust, one of the benefits of the doctor loan is that even if you don't have income yet, or I think I heard you say this, that you can still qualify, which I guess seems a little nice or a little counterintuitive because I know from years of applying for mortgages, you know, you need, you guys want truckloads of information, not the least of which is pay stubs. And right. so I'm thinking, yeah, a lot of folks coming out of fellowship or training or residency, you know, I don't have a pay stub, or I certainly don't have an attractive pay stub. Yeah. That's not a problem in this case. So again, the great thing about the doctor loan is the flexibility and underwriting. And part of that related to income is we will use future income to qualify you, but that future income does have to start within 60 days. And that is very helpful for somebody coming out of training, out of residency or fellowship. You know, they're going to complete training on June 30th, and maybe they have a new contract to start a position September 1st with whoever employer they've agreed to work with. They can close on a new home up to 60 days prior to that start date. And so that gives them time post-training to move into their home, get settled, qualify for that new home using their new income to do it, and then have a couple of months between training before they start back to work. And that's a Pretty important detail. I just want to highlight because if I heard you correctly, you need to close within 60 days. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you can't start shopping for a house or applying for the loan back in March or April or May. Yeah, is, that, is that right? That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And March, April, May, I mean, that that's really when the home buying season, as we refer to it as, picks up. I think most folks know that that's when they see a lot of homes going on the market. So it's okay to go ahead and start looking as early as March, April, May depending on what income you need to qualify. If we need that new income, then we're going to do a pre-approval for you with the assumption that your closing date will be within 60 days of you starting to earn that income. Speaking of income, what about uh, side income? Uh, you're familiar with physician income statements and things. So, sometimes you have W-2 income from a hospital or practice or a group, but then there, there can be significant moonlighting or side work or, or income from owning a building or something like that. Yep. Uh, can, can that count? Can that be included? It absolutely can be included for sure. It depends on the history of that income, your ownership and whatever business is generating that income. But absolutely, that's very common for folks to have maybe a, a W-2 income through one position, but then they have tax returns that show three or four other sources of significant income. And absolutely, we're very, very 
flexible with underwriting more so than others, I believe. So if there's a way to use income that you're receiving, we'll, we'll find it. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, I'll throw you a curveball on this one. Okay. What about like gift income, right? A uh, family member, grandma, whoever either gives you money to help you move or help you pay, you know, oh, here's some money to yeah. put down on your house or whatever. Is that is that okay? So we do allow gifts. Absolutely. And that's, that's a good feature of the program as well. So if you're going to get a gift from anyone to help with your down payment, your closing cost, moving expenses, um, as long as it's from an eligible family member, you can use that gift even to satisfy your asset requirement. Uh, and what I mean by that is when you close on a house, we just like to know that somewhere, somehow you've got enough money in the bank to pay that mortgage if you needed to for maybe two to five months, depending on where you are in your profession. For folks coming out of residency, they may not have that yet. If their parents are going to give them a gift, that gift can be used to satisfy that, which is really a a huge help. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying, which is you're clarifying the assumption I made, which is the gift may not be, it may not be best used by using it as a down payment, for example, maybe best used just put it in your checking account so that we can keep, in your case, SunTrust happy that I've got enough stability to pay the bills, even if the paychecks are running a little late or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Better to have a couple thousand dollars in the savings account versus a couple thousand dollar down payment. Absolutely. Well, now you sound like a good financial planner. Yeah. Keep a little money in the bank. Tip okay. number one. I've got a couple more questions for you right after this break. I'm Will Coster. On this episode's White Coat Wisdom, I want to talk about financial habits. It helps to put in context that a habit is a regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Here are a few thoughts about financial habits and how to make them work for your success. How we view money is often learned as a child from our family or surroundings growing up. Such behaviors can be conscious or subconscious, which can make them especially hard to give up sometimes. I myself have a quirky habit finding myself ordering a water at a restaurant rather than paying for a beverage regardless of my feelings at the moment. It's a habit, albeit a small one, but it's one that I learned from my parents ranting about how restaurants overcharge for drinks and that we have juice or soda at home. Never mind the fact that sometimes I like a refreshing beverage over simply drinking a water. Anyone else out there do that? Well, what if your habit is something a little less tangible, but more detrimental to your financial well-being? What if your habit, like a lot of us, is keeping up with the Joneses? If you see your coworker or neighbor with a new gadget, you feel like you need one too or a new car, or a big diamond engagement ring. If you have the subconscious tendency or habit to keeping up with the Joneses, you may disregard your own goals or financial situation and make decisions that can jeopardize your future. Here's one that might be less of a habit, but simply how the way things have always been done. Having separate bank accounts as a married couple simply because there's a resistance to changing the current way of doing things. Both spouses brought separate checking or savings accounts into the marriage. As we've mentioned before during this segment in past episodes, having disjointed cash accounts can be inefficient and a barrier to feeling in control of your finances. Whether your habits are being too generous and giving to every charitable cause you hear about, or impulsively shopping online, one is not right or wrong. The takeaway from this segment is being mindful in your financial life. It will likely lead to more sound decision making and an overall satisfaction around your finances. With this episode's White Coat Wisdom, I'm Will Coster. All right. So, Jason, uh, we've we've talked about a number of different lending scenarios and the doctor loan program. And, and, and in particular, I think the the persona that 
that we've been referring to or thinking of is, is the new physician coming out of residency training fellowship. Obviously, uh, existing practitioners have housing needs as well. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes those are different or more complicated. In my mind, I'm thinking of scenarios where we want to build a custom house, maybe do some big renovations. Um, you and I live in Charlotte. And so there's there's pockets in our town and many around the country where people are tearing down and building new ones. Those scenarios aren't quite as cut and dry, are they? No, they're not. So good question. So the the physician loan program is intended for purchasing existing construction or newly built homes from a builder. The alternative would be building a custom home or renovating a home. Um, so the program is not intended to be used for a construction loan or a renovation loan. So if you are, in, in, and to differentiate, if you're looking at a, at a home builder and they build homes and they're building in a community and you love their floor plan and you love the community and it's a new construction house that'll be done in eight months, we can do that loan for you. You can buy that new construction house and use the doctor loan to do that. If you're going to buy a piece of land, design your own home, find a builder to build that house, now you're talking about a true construction loan and that is not a loan program that this that the doctor loan would be a fit for. But it's still a lending scenario that you have experience with. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe you can, one, you, for folks listening that might be in that scenario, what are some of the ramifications, some of the things they need to be aware of when they dive into looking for a lender or calling you or whatever? What are what, What's different about that? So construction loans are sort of a, a, different, a different animal, if you will. And with every bank that offers them, what they allow for the program will be different. Again, that's one of those sort of niche products that the bank has a lot of say in what they'll approve and what those guidelines are. Typically for a construction loan, you'll need anywhere from 10 to 20% down, depending on the cost of the home. Or equity. Yeah, or equity, right? If you have equity in a piece of land that you already own, you get credit for that equity against your down payment. Really, it's then a matter of you know working with your lender to find out what their program allows as far as down payment so that you know what to expect. Then it's a matter of finding a builder that can build what you want and, and that the lender approves as well. So in a lot of cases, the lender has to approve the builder that you want to use. So definitely important if you're going to build a home to talk with your lender first and find out what you're going to qualify for and talk to them about what their builder requirements are um, so that you don't go out and choose a builder that you love only to find out that maybe the bank you've been talking to can't work with that builder for a particular reason. Give me an example of that. Why does, why does the lender care who my builder is? What's that connection? So basically they want to make sure that the builder has a a good reference history, a good track record of paying their bills, uh, experience building homes. Um, So if you go out and find A and B builders who've been in business for six months and they haven't built any homes in the past three years in the Charlotte area, that's not a builder that you're likely going to get approved with your lender. But if you're using a reputable reputable builder uh, that can provide references that we can see has a primary focus of building maybe six to 12 homes a year in the Charlotte area, then that's a builder that we trust. So we're sort of helping vet that builder for you to get you from being, keep you from being caught up with maybe somebody who might start construction and then take one of the draws or disbursements of funds and not see him again. Mm-hmm. Advanced apologies to A and B builders out there. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll uh, have to issue a legal disclosure. In the- <laughs> <laughs> and, and so now I know from personal experience and so I'm going to let you unpack it a little bit. Then what's the difference because I believe there is one between a construction loan and a renovation loan. 
So right, those are two different animals too, right? Yeah, they yeah. are. So a construction loan is, you know, truly building a house from the ground up, find a piece of land, put a house on it. A renovation loan is find a house you love and then do a significant remodel, which includes tearing the house down all the way to the foundation. So it could be as little as, you know, adding a, adding a garage to the side of the home to adding a bedroom and bathroom off the rear of the house to literally tearing the house down to the foundation and then rebuilding it back up. And a renovation loan, honestly, for any lender that offers a construction loan, uh, it's, it's going to be a construction renovation product. So the down payment requirements, the equity, those are all going to be calculated very similarly. But it's important. I mean, I think the, the message that I would want to communicate, and I think part of what you're saying is for folks that are thinking, oh, we want to build, we want to renovate, something like that, just be aware of the fact that you don't necessarily need to be hunting for a doctor loan program you're hunting for a competitive lender that can capably and competently offer a product and, and help you navigate a, a more complex buying scenario. Yeah. At the end of the day, you just need somebody that knows what they're talking about and is going to put you in the right product. Mm -hmm. Whether that right product is with me or not, I'm, I'm going to let you know that, hey, here's what you need. Maybe we offer it, maybe we don't. And if we don't, I'm going to help you find somebody that, that I trust and that I think you'll trust to be able to talk through what those options are going to be because the construction renovation loan, there's, there's just more moving parts to it. So you need somebody who's experienced in doing that type of product. If that's the type of loan you're going to go for. Mm -hmm. Now you've mentioned a couple things that we all know about that are important. Uh, and some of that we didn't know, um, you know, obviously the, the lender cares about your income. They uh, care about your assets. You mentioned, um, I, you know, many folks don't realize they care about who your builder is. If you're going to have a builder, we all know they care about your credit too. Mm -hmm. And th that can be a, an important factor and it can be, it can be complicated for physicians and dentists. You know, most carry a bunch of debt with them when they come to see you for the first time. Yeah. Some may have other debt from practice ownership or other business interests. And so credit can either be really strong or it can be really complicated or it can be not strong. Can you talk a little bit about the role that credit plays and then either some of the things that, that, that are surprising to people when they come and then you have to say, Hey, guess what? You know, you actually don't have any credit or yours is a little low. And they say, what, yeah. um, what are some of the things that people need to watch out for there? Yeah. So that's, um, that's a great question as well. So credit is significantly important in what we do. It's going to dictate what type of financing we can offer you. It's going to, dictate whether we can even offer you the physician loan program. Your credit score will determine the amount of down payment you need, if any. What I see pretty often is folks believe they have, they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, Jason, I just checked my credit on my you know, credit card app and it says I have an 800 credit score. So it's, it's important to know that if you're getting credit anywhere other than from a mortgage lender, the credit score you see is not using the same credit model that most lenders use. So Typically what I'll see is, you know, they're surprised to say that on my phone, it says my credit score is 800, but Jason, you're telling me I have a 730 credit score. So it's very important regardless of where you are in the process. If you think you're going to buy or refinance a house anytime in the next year, it's never too early to get pre-approved. If you get a pre-approval, I'll be able to take a look at your credit and see exactly where you are and either tell you, Hey, great job keep up what you're doing. Here's a few things to, to do or not do over the next few months. Or if you come to me and your credit isn't where we need it to be for whatever you're trying to do, I can give you some guidance on how to 
how to get you on that path to where you need to be to be able to get a mortgage. One easy fix that I see quite often is if I maybe look at someone's credit, the credit report might show a credit card balance that is maxed out or a, a high usage relative to their credit. And they might say, well, Jason, you know, I, I pay that off every month. Well, that's great. It would be better to pay that off before the end of your statement cycle. That way, when the credit reads your credit balance, it's not reading that you're maxed out. It's reading that zero balance. That's the most common factor on a credit report that I see that impacts someone's credit score. It's the amount of credit they're using on credit cards versus what amount of credit is available to them. Let me repeat that because I think it's an important one. So even though I think everybody knows paying off your credit card is more helpful than not paying it off. Yeah. But what you're pointing out is one of the one of the other, I think, five criteria. There's, I think, five different categories or criteria in, in compounding, computing a credit score. And, and one is, is timeliness of payments, but the other is usage. Mm -hmm. And so to the example you're giving, somebody has a credit card of, with a $10,000 balance, and if they're charging $9,500 a month on it and paying off $9,500, they get good marks in the credit score calculation for paying it off, yep. but they're getting a ding for using 95% of their available credit. Yep. Is that what, and so your solution is, is, Hey, just pay, pay it down or pay it off before it's actually due before yep. you get the statement showing it's due. Or obviously you could probably call the credit card company and say, we have a nice history of payment. Could you just increase my limit to 20 grand or something like that? Higher available credit and, and, yeah. and then a lower usage rate. Yeah, that's it. I mean, when your statement closes and they report that balance to the creditor, you want that balance usage to be as low as you can. So paying that balance off even maybe a day sooner than you otherwise would have might be a big driving force in your credit score. Mm -hmm. And there are other things. Everybody's credit is different, of course. Um, and again, there's, there's a lot that I see on credit. Um, way, way too much to, to fill in here, but a pre-approval will, will get you on the right path. So if you're thinking about buying a house mm -hmm. six months down the road, get pre-approved now just to know that you are where you need to be. And if not, then you're going to have time to get where you need to be. Now, what exactly is pre-approval? Is that just so that you can give me warm fuzzies saying, yeah, I can buy the house I want, or, or is there some other role that that plays in the process? So the ultimate outcome is we want to give you the warm and fuzzies that you can buy the house you want. <laughs> there we go. But the way that we're going to do that. So when, when we do a pre-approval for you, we're going to look at your credit report and it's more than just saying, Hey, what's your score, right? Because other factors on your credit report matter. Also, we want to know that you have credit. We want to know that all of your credit isn't only that you're an authorized user on someone else's account. So we want to see that credit history, that credit usage, in addition to the credit score. We're also going to look at the income you have now versus maybe what income we're going to qualify with. If you're married or, or applying for with someone else, we're going to take a look at their information as well. But especially with the physician, doctor, dentist loan product, that's, in my opinion, the most important product to get pre-approved on because there's so many nuances in there. We can discuss how you're going to be paid. Maybe if, if you're getting a new position and your, you know, part of your income is guaranteed, part of it is RVU-based income. We're going to talk through those things up front so that we know exactly what you're going to get qualified for. And then student loans is a big one. When we're doing the pre-approval, we're going to look at your student loans and we don't necessarily care as much about balances. I get that question a lot. Someone will tell me, well, you know, I, there's no way I could buy a house. I owe $250,000 in student loan debt. From our perspective, that's okay. What we care about is what your repayment agreement is. Um, so a lot of the times 
accounts might be deferred or in forbearance at the time of the pre-approval, or they might already be in a repayment plan. And we're going to look at that repayment plan with you and figure out how flexible we can get on that. Typically, an income-based repayment or a pay-as-you-earn program are the best payments to get into, depending on your income. And if you're getting pre-approved in advance, you're going to have time to talk through that and figure out which of those programs is going to be better for you. Yeah. And a great scenario. I can't avoid the softball you've teed up because it's a great scenario to work with your trusty financial planner and your mortgage broker to come up with a thoughtful, credible student loan strategy as part of the future home buying mortgage strategy. Wow. That was a good softball, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. You know, I never miss a chance to swing at those. So bottom line, how do people get started? What's the, I guess we're maybe ending at the pre-approval, but what's the process look like to get started? And and I'll throw you the softball. If somebody thinks to themselves, you know, Jason seems to know what he's talking about. um, There's probably a way they could track you down too, couldn't they? Yeah. So the best way is to to give me a call. And that number is 704-654-6058. And from there, we'll, we'll, talk on the phone and figure out what your scenario is. Uh, I might have you, we might meet and do an application that way for a pre-approval. We have online resources to do the pre-approval online. We can do it over the phone. So very flexible with time and, and how to get that information from you. And a pre-approval takes typically about 24 hours. Um, so it's a pretty quick turnaround. So if you're curious today uh, as to what you can do from buying or refinancing a house, I, I can tell you about tomorrow. Now, before we uh, close out here, are there any uh, any good words that the uh, legal department over at SunTrust Mortgage would like you to utter on air? There are. Thank you for asking. I should tell you that my NMLS number is 455600. I'm from SunTrust Mortgage, and we are an equal housing lender. That is super valuable. I've written that all down right here in my notes. Yeah, and uh, thank Jason, thanks so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure, and uh, thanks for all you do to help the people that we serve. Yep. Thank you. I'm Will Coster bringing you this episode's White Coat Achievement, a segment where we highlight noteworthy achievements by your friends and colleagues. By now, you've probably heard about the new social media channel, TikTok. This app is taking the internet by storm, with over 26.5 million monthly active users in the United States, mostly Generation Z. Doctors have started to leverage this platform to educate teens. This White Coat Achievement goes to Dr. Danielle Jones, who is better known as Mama Dr. Jones. Dr. Danielle Jones is an OBGYN and mom of four. She has thousands of followers across Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, plus 184,000 and counting followers on TikTok. You might be wondering why a doctor would be interested in engaging kids on this strange new app everyone's talking about. Her bio on TikTok says it all. TikTok's first gynecologist. Through her channel on TikTok, she provides, quote, sex ed your health class forgot. One of her TikTok videos got 9.8 million views in just 48 hours. This particular video shared facts about Plan B. Whether parents like it or not, their teenagers are searching the internet for information on topics like Plan B and other sensitive subjects, and Dr. Mama Jones is there to address the misinformation that could negatively affect kids if they were to wrongly act on it. Now, more doctors are also starting to use TikTok, and Dr. Mama Jones is collaborating with her colleagues to both blow off steam and to educate teens. If you'd like to check out some of her content, we'll have links in the show notes. As always, if you know someone who wears a white coat and is achieving something noteworthy, feel free to drop us a line. We might even feature them on a future episode. But again, this episode's white coat achievement goes to Dr. Mama Jones. 
All right. Thanks so much for being with us today for the conversation with Jason Watkins of SunTrust Mortgage. Hopefully this has been helpful to you or folks that you know, if you've been thinking about or planning to buy a house or refinance or anything like that. As always, we welcome your feedback. You can email me, Shane, at whitecoatwell.com. Please subscribe. Please give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. If you want Jason's contact information and didn't catch it, it's in the show notes below. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next time. This episode of White Coat Wellness is over, but you're not alone on your journey toward financial wellness. Spa Dame Rinteni has been helping physicians and dentists with their financial planning for over 60 years, and we'd love to answer any questions that would be of help to you. Visit sdtplanning.com today and take your financial wellness to new levels. Once again, that's sdtplanning.com. And we'll see you on the next episode of White Coat Wellness.